0: Nurses and Hypochondriacs, the podcast that brings nurse experts, patients, and hypochondriacs together to discuss hot topics in healthcare. And here is your host, Ercilia Pompilio. What would you do if E. coli threatened your colon? I don't mean by just giving you diarrhea. I mean actually threatened your colon. Like a surgeon one day came to you and said, By the way, you know that thing that poop comes out of your colon, we're going to cut it out. Which means you'd have to wear a colostomy bag for the rest of your life. What would you do? Well, you guessed it. Today we're going to be talking about E. coli and it's causing a lot of drama lately. The Centers for Disease Control announced that ground beef is the origin of a multi-state E. coli outbreak, and it's sickened 109 people in six states, and it's caused 17 hospitalizations. Now, they're saying nobody died, but I don't have accurate proof of that. So for this podcast, we're just going to go with the nobody died. Our guest today is Cynthia Thurlow. She's a returning guest. She was on our Flupocalypse episode, and she's going to tell us about how her colon was threatened and what she did about it. I mean, Cynthia is a freaking the most healthiest person I know. I mean, she has rock hard abs. Just go check her out on her Facebook page. She's amazing. But hey, if she can end up sick in the hospital on total parenteral nutrition, Anybody can. So you're going to want to listen to this episode all the way to the end because it's such a good story as usual. Nurse Backpack is a free mobile app designed to help nurses and nursing students manage both their credentials and careers. The app is awesome and very easy to use. You take a photo of your credentials, licenses, immunizations, and other documents, and it's all stored on a secure cloud-based server. The app allows you to set up two different expiration date reminders so you can get a notification on your phone before anything ever expires. Nurse Backpack will even build a resume package for you. If you input your work history and specialties, then the app will package everything together into a professional PDF for you to send to anyone, allowing you to apply to your dream job with one click of a button. With Nurse Backpack, you never have to worry about losing another document missing a shift due to expired licenses, or keeping track of all the paperwork. The app does it all for you. Click the link in the description at the end of this podcast to download the app for free today. Welcome to the show, Cynthia CHT. So, Cynthia, I just have to say, what the fuck? What the (laughs) fuck happened? I mean... All of a sudden, Jim and I, you know, because we're the three amigos from our yeah. last *Apocalypse* episode. Yeah. And Jim and I are, are there. And we're seeing you in Hawaii and your body looks amazing. I mean, you're just, you're just awesome. And the next thing I know, Jim is sending me a text with a message saying that you're in the hospital yeah. on TBN, I was like, yeah. what? Oh, yeah. It
1: was. Oh, my God. Yeah, so we um, first time I've ever been able to go uh, on vacation with my husband. He had a business trip, and so uh, he had business in Oahu, and I flew to Maui to see a, a nurse friend of mine. I mean, I had an amazing trip, and uh, you know, the craziest thing is I came back, and that was yeah. So forty eight hours later, I presented to the hospital. I had uh, debilitating nausea and vomiting, like every fifteen minutes. I couldn't even lay down. And then I had this acute onset of diffuse abdominal pain. And it was very clear to me that something was not right. It was worse than labor pain. And when I got to the emergency room, I couldn't sit up. I couldn't sit still. I mean, I was that patient, you know, as you know, ER nurses, we recall this someone that can't sit still and is just so uncomfortable. Uh, And initially, I think they kind of blew me off because my vital signs didn't look all that bad, um, but my vitals are always low. My blood pressure is always low. My pulse is always low. They were high. Everything was high, but it was within normal ranges. And it wasn't until they got my white count back that they all of a sudden started to take me pretty seriously. And my CAT scan that was done revealed um, a ruptured appendix and pancolitis. So the entire length of my colon was inflamed Oh and God. the surgeon yeah, the surgeon came in, and she was wonderful. Uh, she was like, "You're really sick. Um, I mean, infectious disease came to see me in the ER. They don't come to see anyone in the ER. Um, and they said, "If we take you to surgery tonight, you're going to lose the entire length of your colon." And I looked at her and I said, "I need my colon.", yeah. oh <laughs> I was my like, God, please yeah. don't." Yeah I was like, "Please don't take my colon." And she said, "We're going to do everything we can to ensure we don't need to take your colon." We're just going to, you know, hydrate the hell out of you, give you a lot of antibiotics, and cross our fingers and pray. And so, um, you know, first day, I they got my pain under control, so I felt like a rock star. You know, it was
0: kind of. Um,
1: so was what was of, wrong
0: with your colon, though? That they were.
1: They think it was. A, they think it was a domino effect from the ruptured appendix. And when I tell you that my precipitant of pain was so rapid. I don't. I mean, I had no pain until maybe three hours before I went to the emergency room, and by that point, my appendix had already ruptured. And then on day two, um, I woke up and I looked about five months pregnant, and um, I knew something wasn't right. In fact, I knew it was wrong. I guessed without even anyone telling me. I figured my small bowel had, had wasn't working, and so um, sure enough, my small bowel was obstructed. So that was you know the first complication that I had to deal with. Uh, And for anyone that is a healthcare provider, um, getting an NG tube is about as bad as you think it's going to be. But I was so sick, I didn't even care. Um, I was so uncomfortable and I was so nauseous. Like they couldn't control my nausea and I would vomit if I coughed. I would vomit if I put um, an ice cube in my mouth. I mean, it was such a degree of profound nausea. I mean, I hope to never experience that again. And when they finally put the NG tube down, uh, I mean, I with the amount of digestive enzymes and bile they were pulling out. Oh my um, God! It was you know I didn't realize you produce a liter a day of digestive enzymes and bile. I didn't know that. I knew we produced some, uh, but not that degree. And so I started to feel a little bit better, but I was rapidly losing weight. Um, I was losing more than a pound a day. And you know, for all of us again that are healthcare providers, we know that your your muscles will be broken down to be used as food. Um, and within five days, uh, they started talking to me about doing TPN because they said, you know, normally we can wait a week or longer to start TPN, but you're starving. Um, I mean, you just—I I almost, almost automatically—and when I looked at my legs in bed, I mean, it was like my legs went from being muscular to just being these skinny little legs. Um, wow! And so they they started TPN, which I. I'm not a huge fan of because I'm not, I'm not a soy person, but I didn't even care. It was like, I'm either going to get TPN or I'm going to die. There was no way I was just starving. And then uh, the other concerning issue that started to happen was they assumed once they placed the NG tube and started decompressing my bowel that I would start to turn around and I wasn't. And my surgeon over the weekend said, you know, I'm a little bit concerned by now you should be looking better. You're not, you know, I had infectious disease on board. I mean, I had four specialists. Uh, All of whom are physicians that I've worked with over the years and I was getting really good care And so they said we feel like we need to do another CT and that's when they found that I had Not only did I have the ruptured appendix the pancolitis the small bowel obstruction, but then I had (laughs) I developed two abscesses Um, So not everyone who develops appendicitis gets a ruptured appendix and of those people that get a ruptured appendix A very small percentage will then go on to develop an abscess Which is what I had which explained why I wasn't getting better Um, And we were fortunate that we were at a hospital system where they have some really talented interventional radiologists. And so the following day they decided to do, which was really cool from like the science perspective, to do a water dissection of my bowel to get to the abscesses, Mm -hmm. to put in a drain. But they put a drain into the abscesses uh, because for anyone who doesn't know, um, all the antibiotics I was getting could not penetrate the cell wall of the abscess. So all the antibiotics couldn't address that infection. So we, they put the drain in so that they could hopefully get things to turn around. And that's, you know, by then I'd been in the hospital for, you know, 10, almost eight days. Um, and so then about two days later, I started to turn around a little bit more enough for them to consider stopping the TPN to let me try to eat, which was really exciting. Um, I've never been so excited to um, consider it drinking. It was probably beef bouillon and oh, wow. yellow. Uh, but I was so excited to actually try to be able to eat food. And then, um, you know, I I was able to progress my diet enough that they sent me home, but nothing really prepares you for how deconditioned you get in the hospital. Even though I was walking that second week in the halls and had my IV pole and they thought it was really cute. Here she comes with the NG tube, the pick line, the drain. I mean, it was like ridiculous. All this stuff I had all over me Um, when I got home Uh, The first night I tried to go up the stairs, I almost cried. I felt like I had cement bricks on my legs. Um, My muscles were just so atrophied from being in the hospital. And it was just enough effort to get into bed. And, you know, I was home on antifungals and antibiotics. And, you know, they kept saying, you know, "Well, we'll really be glad when we can pull out your drain, you know. So every week I was going to interventional radiology to see if they could pull it. And alas, you know, when I started getting really excited, thinking it might come out, I developed a fistula. Oh, wow a tunnel between the cecum and the appendix. And so the drain ended up staying in for five weeks um, total. And then I got antibiotics for a solid month um, as well as antifungals, which as many of us know, you get that much antibiotics. It's going to kill off all the beneficial bacteria in your body. Oh yeah. A whole whole other fun um, situation to deal with. Uh, But gosh, I'm so glad to be on the other side. I just can't tell you how grateful I am. And then last week, I finally got my appendix out. And um, that was a pretty uneventful uh, surgery, you know, given everything else I'd been through, I had a wonderful team. Uh, Although it was interesting, you know, there's a lot of talk about fentanyl, you know, in the media, you know, concerns about fentanyl. And fentanyl is a great, you know, synthetic narcotic, um, and obviously a really good choice if you're having surgery. But uh, being hundred and I'm right now I'm 108 pounds. So I'm still not wow. back to my normal weight. I lost so much weight in the hospital. Uh, and they weighed me before they dosed me. And when I was in the pre-op area, we had this whole funny discussion about, you know, we want to do a pregnancy test. I said, you don't need to like, but you haven't had your period in three months. I said, well, I'm not going to have my period because my body weight's too low. Yeah.
0: You have no fat. I'm
1: perimenopausal. And my husband's yeah. had a vasectomy and we haven't had sex since Hawaii. So <laughs> my husband looks at me <laughs> and he goes, we had sex in Hawaii, and I'm like, oh my God, he just said this in front of everyone. Um, <laughs> it was kind of funny. But the next thing I know, the, the nurse anesthetist was giving me medication, and, and, and it was like, it hit me so quickly, I said, what did you give me? And I heard her say Versed, Fentanyl, and Benadryl, and I remember nothing Whoa. until I was in the PACU, and I could not keep my eyes open, and the nurse was laughing. And she was like, oh honey, you've been so hard to wake up. <laughs> I said, what do you mean? She was like, you got two major cocktail. Yeah. Oh, well I was, I mean, snowed, um, two rounds of Narcan. And she said, you've been in the PACU for three hours. Um, and I said, well, I guess I got a lot of fentanyl. And she said, well, yeah, I think you got more than what you needed. (laughs) So wow. That's, that's my last eight weeks in a short nutshell, but yeah, definitely not a dull moment. I've never, you know, and I think it's one of those things as a healthcare provider, we think we know what it's like to be on the other side, but you don't know until you've been there. It's like the whole act of submission uh, because you have to turn your brain off and just, you know, it just, just survive. That was my whole thing was I just need to survive. I need to get out of here. I want to, you know, get home to see my kids. And gosh darn it, I'm going to do that TEDx if it kills me. That was like my two things. I want to get home. And I want to do TEDx. That was like my like whole mindset when my brain was firing again in the hospital. I was like, I want to get home. I just want to get home.
0: Oh my gosh! Yeah, I mean that. It just sounds like such a crazy journey. Uh, and, and, but you look amazing right now. I will have oh, to thank say, you. <laughs> you had surgery when uh, last week. Yeah, almost so five a week days ago. ago. Yeah, five but days think, ago. But I and think, you're up and and doing stuff. You're yeah. Writing. Well, You're I think this
1: podcast, I know Do well, you know What's funny though, is I think, and, and so this has been my mi- my mindset, and I've been saying this a lot. My health before I got sick is the reason why I bounced back relatively quickly. Um, I think if I had been the average 47 year old that wasn't taking care of themselves, maybe if I smoked, maybe if I um, had a lot of other health problems, it might've been very different because everyone that came in to see me, most of these physicians had known me for years. Um, you know, My gastroenterologist who I love, uh, when I went to my post-op um, visit was like, she looked at my mom and said, I thought she was going to die. Um, you wow. looked that bad. You looked that bad. Well, they bad wanted to
0: take it. out your colon. I yeah, mean, that's well, <laughs> pretty easy. <amazing.
1: laughs> um, so I'm so glad that they didn't, but I think my health beforehand is the reason why. And I, and I just think that, um, my baseline personality is such that I had to find the small glimmer of positivity and everything that was happening. And so I just kept saying, if I can do this, then I know I'm okay. So that was always like, if it was walking in the hallways, if it was okay today in the house, I'm going to go up and down the stairs twice with my mother, not catching me doing it. Cause as you know, Italian moms are very protective yeah, of their kids, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. but but I think that you know a lot of it's mindset, and I just kept saying I was like, "This isn't going to beat me." I've seen worse. That was what I kept reminding myself. This could be so much worse. This could be so much worse. Um, so in my mind, it was there was no question that I was going to beat this, um, and that's just been you know, and, and being smart about it. Like I'm not someone that would purposely push my body beyond what it was capable of doing. Um, but, you know, everything that my surgeon told me to do and cleared me to do, I did. Um, and she was laughing. She was like, you know, you're a great patient because you, you're totally compliant. And I said, well, when you told me I could walk and you told me I could go do a, a core class and I could go to bar because I was feeling good, I did it because it was so mm-hmm. good for me to, to feel like my body. And we just, we, sometimes we're not connected to our bodies. And I think I've always been good about that. But now I'm even more connected to my body because my body's been through so much um, just makes you very, very grateful for your health. And so my journey has been, um, one of those life-changing events for sure.
0: So how did this happen? So take me through, I, I mean, it, it, like I said, one day you're in Hawaii, you're having a great time and all of a sudden you're having this major yeah. bowel issue.
1: Well, you know, it's interesting. Yeah. So, you know, I asked the infectious disease doc, who I respect, I've known him for a long time. And he said, maybe you got some gastroenteritis before, maybe that's what started this. But he said, I I think it's all attributable to your, um, your appendix. And I think, you know, when the appendix, it's the domino effect, you know, the appendix gets inflamed. And then you have this downstream effect with all these other, you know, digestive organs that, what they're trying to do is they're trying to shut everything down because you know, they don't want to digest food. They don't want to do anything. They want everything to be in rest mode. But what's interesting and what I did discuss with him is when I went to Toronto in December, I contracted C-diff. I went out <laughs> the night before my TEDx, bought a salad in this really nice organic place, went back, you know, went back to my room, ate it. The next morning I had diarrhea. I thought it's because I'm nervous because I was nervous. Um, came back from Toronto, did my talk. And for like three or four days, I had, I just did not feel good. And I kept saying, this is weird. I mean, I don't know what this is. And so sure enough, we did a, a GI map and it showed that I had C. diff and a calprotectin in the 800s. And so my functional medicine provider and I, you know, talked through how to address it. And so we treated it. And for everyone that's listening, I did not have C. diff when I got to the hospital. That was not the continued precipitant. But they suspect that perhaps contracting C. diff in Toronto may have been what started this kind of gut instability enough that it made this possible. Because when you look at people that have appendicitis, it generally tends to be something that's seen with younger individuals, although people in their 40s obviously get appendicitis, but they think that might have been the precipitant. And you know, the infectious disease doctor, who's a pretty traditional Western medicine guy, wasn't really sure um, but the functional medicine provider definitely believed that there was probably a correlation because it was only within, I guess that was the beginning of December when I was in Toronto. And then, you know, two and a half months later, I was sick. Um, who's to say what, you know, changed in the gut microbiome enough that it might've made that much more um, likely to have occurred. But I didn't, you know, I did a lit search. I didn't see anything, but. So, but you said
0: uh, before I this podcast when we talked that you had E. coli they also found E. coli yes they isolated
1: that in the abscesses
0: and and here's an interesting thing I don't know if you correlated this but when I was doing my research there was an E. coli outbreak in Canada Mm -hmm. in December of 2018 yep
1: yeah I mean so it could have been
0: (laughs) it could have been the E. coli Mm -hmm. I mean because uh Yeah. Or it could have been the C. diff. I don't know. But today, we're going to be talking more about E. coli. Good old E. coli. Good old E. coli, (laughs) which is an interesting bacteria because it's part of... It's a safe bacteria. It doesn't really do anything. It's found in the appendix. Mm -hmm. Um, And it, and it it is like a friendly bacteria. That's what it's called. But like a sociopath, it can turn ugly. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and we're going to get more into the ugliness of E. coli because it could be friendly, but you do it just like a, I don't know, like a sociopath, like I said, they just turn on you. Yeah. E. coli is a gram negative, facultative, anaerobic, rod-shaped, coliform bacterium of the genus Escherichiae, that is commonly found in the lower intestine of warm-blooded organisms. Most E. coli strains are harmless, uh, but some serotypes can cause serious food poisoning in their hosts and are occasionally responsible for product recalls due to food contamination. Yeah, so... Also, what else can I tell you? So... Theodore von Escrich, going back to him. So he discovered E. coli in 1885. Uh, they then changed it to his name, Escherichia E. coli. Uh, yeah. So if anybody discovered a bacteria with my name, well, my friend used to call me your syphilis. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. So he helped, he actually helped me, uh, conceptualize nurses in hypochondriacs. So he would call me or syphilis all the time. We are no <laughs> longer friends. Yes. Yeah, so that would be my name. I don't know what would your name, Cynthia, be if you discovered a bacterium or C- an uh, seracia. I don't know. Seracia. C- I, mean, C- I like that one. Seracia. C- 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 seracia. At least you're not. Maybe it's an STD.
1: Well, yeah. I. I mean, yeah. Mm. I. I it, that would be hard. Or
0: syphilis.
1: Um, yeah. I would be upset with that too.
0: I, you know, I always like to find the humor in everything. <laughs> I thought it was kind of funny um, for a while until he started calling it. I mean, the first time he did it, he was just like, oh my gosh, I thought of a name for you. <laughs> <laughs> and and he was like, like embarrassed that he said it. I go, oh, that's kind of funny. Ha ha ha. But then he started calling me it more and more, and all the time, and then in front of people, and then it became very inappropriate. So I was like, "All right, yeah, you gotta it's like time out, yeah, time out. It's like children, you know, yes. that you have yes. to tell your grown adult friends. He was an attorney too, oh. so <laughs> so he knew better. enough counsel, exactly enough. <laughs> out of order, exactly throw you out of court." So, Theodore Eskerich, he was born on the 29th of November in 1855 in Aschbach, Germany. Uh, his father was Ferdinand Eskerik. He was a district medical officer of health and noted medical statistician. His mother died at the age of five, which is sad. So, they said he was a bit of a prankster when he was in school, so they sent him to Jesuit school. Um, yeah. That'll fix you up. That'll fix you up, Jesuits. Anyway, in Munich, so he went to school to study bacteriology. Uh, In Munich, he focused on bacteriologic studies on three issues, defining the normal bacterial flora of the infant intestinal tract and its changes immediately after birth, assessing the role of bacteria in the physiology of digestion, and characterizing the relation of these findings to pathological conditions in infants, which is interesting. And I read somewhere, too, that he was also studying breast milk. Um, It's right here. He showed that meconium was sterile, and that colonization of the intestine by bacterial in an infant occurred between three and 24 hours after birth, the main source being the mother's milk. I love this. Guy. Fascinating. I love him too. I mean, if if Jim, you and I ever get together, we'll have a seance, and we'll have to go <laughs> ahead and channel Doctor Escrie. He seems very fascinating. He um, discovered everything, and like I was telling you before the podcast, back in that time, in the eight, the late eighteen hundreds, in the eighteen eighties, eighteen nineties, there were so many discoveries. In healthcare, in surgery, and also in music, which I find very fascinating. Uh, way back, I think when uh, even when when we did the Valley Fever, uh, Valley Fever also came about. Discovered at that time, the cocci was discovered, and also um, what was it, tuberculosis, mm-hmm. around that time was discovered so it's very very fascinating those are three of the podcasts that we've already done which was last year so yes so he became very interested in studying feces when he went to naples and there was a whole cholera outbreak so he went ahead and started to um, get very very interested in that and so he became famous as a brilliant teacher, clinician, researcher, and attracted many brilliant minds to the fields of pediatrics. Yeah, and he also was one of the people who discovered tetany. And Interesting. Um, yes, uh, I have it right here. He just, In 1890, he described the clinical signs of idiopathic infantile tetany. Mm-hmm. Uh, he described it as a reflex in Infants, pouting of the lips after stimulating the labial mucosa by tapping the lips, often called the snout reflex or Escherichs reflex. Hmm. So not only does he have a cocci or um, this E. coli named after him, but he has a reflex named after him. So uh, that's very interesting. So, he was described as impulsive, uncommonly strict, strong-willed, faithful, severe with himself, but kindly towards others. And so, his patients and all the children loved him. Uh, Very interesting. Anyway, moving right along. So, there have been huge outbreaks uh, with C. diff. Like I said, There was that one in uh, 2018, and they they were saying it was in lettuce. Okay, there's actually one going on right now. Here's the CDC official report. This this came out April 15, 2019. The Centers for Disease Control uh, Friday announced that ground beef is the origin of a multi-state E. coli outbreak that has so far sickened 109 people in six states, including 17 hospitalizations. Uh, and CDC learned of the outbreak March 28th of, 20, of 2019. Is this the variation of the when o- it was notified by state health departments in Kentucky and Georgia. Uh, I think so. I'll get to that in just a second. Uh, since the first case was reported on March 2nd, 54 people have been sickened, and so it's Kentucky 28 and Kentucky, Tennessee 17, Georgia, seven in Ohio, and then Virginia. Interesting. Um, And there's no deaths. That's what they're saying. Okay. Anyway, uh, last year, it was November 20th, 2018. It was here in California. It was the romaine lettuce. That was what Jim was asking me. He's like, can you research and find out if I can eat lettuce again at a salad bar? (laughs) So um, they're saying, I I was reading one article and they're saying that it has been cleared. So there is uh, no more lettuce outbreaks. So, but I'm going to get to the, the causes, the symptoms. So the symptoms are much like what you had, nausea, vomiting, and diarrhea and, and abdominal bloating. So Getting too much stuff here. So, and it says here this other article that I have um, that I got on PubMed. It says E. coli presence in the environment is a cause for concern because its relationship with humans is not entirely benign. Indeed, E. coli is a major cause of diarrheal diseases, peritonitis, colitis, bacteremia, infant mortality, and urinary tract infections worldwide. Yeah, that's, we, E. coli is really found in, uh, I've seen it in my practice in uh, males, male infants. That's one of the strains that they have uh, when they have a UTI. Okay. So the most notorious, here we are, this is the bad one. The most notorious of these E. coli is O157H7. Mm -hmm. That's the enterohemorrhagic strain that produces a shiga-like toxin. So this toxin attacks small blood vessels, killing intestinal cells and causing bloody diarrhea and severe abdominal pain, as well as hemolytic uremic syndrome, a potentially deadly condition that can involve widespread clots in capillaries and hemolytic anemia, thrombocytopenia, and renal failure. Treatment can be difficult because antibiotics increase the risk of HUS. (laughs) Cynthia's dogs wanting to be in the podcast out so funny he's a cutie too cute dog (laughs) Such a stinker he wants attention Uh, so um the treatment basically is fluids adequate nutrition medication for pain uh, fever uh blood transfusions when necessary so uh very interesting so it It's very dangerous, but it comes from contaminated food supplies, and it resides asymptomatically in cattle and other livestock. Basically, E. coli, you could get it from dirt. You can get it from salad. You could get it from hamburger meat and stuff. So I don't know, maybe that's what you kind of had. And did they check for E. coli? But they told you you had a little bit of E. coli.
1: Yeah. So when they, you know, the the greatest concern of the infectious disease of ID was um, isolating what was growing in the abscesses. And so he was delighted when it was E. coli and not something else, because he was very concerned that maybe I had some odd variant, some, you know, atypical anaerobe or something that, you know, he said worse yet, if it's something even more, if it's even more complicated, if it's fungal or something else. Uh, But they were hitting me so hard with antibiotics and antifungals. They were like, you know, what gives? You should be turning around. I think he was reassured when they found it, it was E. coli. And because it's something that naturally occurs in the gut, um, when I was reading, it was that's typically what they isolate. Of those who perforate, of those who get an abscess, that's typically what they'll isolate. Um, mm. so that was reassuring.
0: Yeah, but that's that, what it that, says. It, yeah.
1: yeah. They said, you know, if all the other things that have gone wrong, at least this is something that isn't more concerning. So um, I think he was relieved.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> um, and I was just happy that I started to turn around because I, you know, yeah, there yeah. was a point when you're hospitalized for 13 days, there's a point at which you think you're never going home, which is not a, a good
0: no. It's not good
1: for my, my mental state. So I was just grateful that they figured it out and got a better switch gears and changed the plan. So
0: yeah. So for evaluation, basically it's uh they'll do a CBC, a complete blood count, and they'll rule out the leukocytosis. Mm-hmm. It that's increased white blood cells, hemolysis, and thrombocytopenia. Uh they'll also do a complete metabolic panel. Uh, ruling out your dehydration, making sure your electrolyte's okay, making sure, and the uremia. Mm-hmm. Um, a majority of patients with E. coli O157H7 colitis will have leukocytosis in excess of 10,000 micrograms per liter. And they're, um, really, they're usually really sick. I mean, so many of them end up with yeah. analytic uremic syndrome, too, um, which is obviously no bueno. No, no, boy no. Uh, and so again, we went over the treatment. It's just basically bowel rust and uh, fluids and you know medication, and you just have to get over your diarrhea. So yep, complications to it, enter hemorrhagic diarrhea associated with h u s. Uh, they can recover from acute illness episode. These patients have the potential for persistent long-term renal dysfunction. Interesting.
1: Yeah. yeah uh, including and also
0: with seizures, chronic colitis, hypertension. Aye, aye, aye. It's like pretty intense.
1: Yeah. And uh, you just
0: have to hope if you get it that
1: it's self-limiting and...
0: Yeah. It's not the hemorrhagic mm-hmm. one. So... And your basic signs or symptoms of that, again, is the diarrhea, abdominal cramping, and nausea and vomiting. Yeah. And that's when you should go see, when to see a doctor, when it gets bad, when you just feel like this is not right. Yeah. I I think
1: when it persists. I mean, I think any of us can handle those symptoms for a couple of days, but certainly when it persists, it's a sign that something else may be amiss for
0: sure. Yeah. And again, it's found in ground beef, unpasteurized milk, fresh produce basically everything (laughs) right totally so um and they're just and and again it's people with a weakened immune system that uh, people who have weakened immune system from aids or drugs to treat cancer to prevent the rejection of organ transplants are more likely to become ill from ingesting e coli uh interesting.
1: And that's definitely why when you go out and, you know, have a hamburger at a restaurant or anywhere, you should always ask, especially for children. I think it's important to always make sure it's well done, that it's not medium rare. Um, Because sometimes from what I was reading, you know... It says it has
0: to be cooked at 160 degrees. degrees. Yeah.
1: So my kids bemoan this every time we go out. I'm like, nope, you have a well done burger.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I like... Um, I mean, I do personally like medium, <laughs> mm-hmm. me too. Me too. Now, now I'm like, Hmm. Yeah. It makes you suck. I don't guess. know what this whole outbreak going on. They're saying this is the worst.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, and I, I think, case. you know, you just look at the conditions. I mean, it's a whole other tangential, com, you know, conversation, but you look at the conditions and slaughterhouses and. The way the animals are treated, it's not surprising that you're getting these mass contaminations.
0: It's crazy. Mm -hmm. But the good thing is you're doing well. I am. And you look amazing for everything that you went over. Thank you. And thank you for joining me on this conversation on E. coli. So what are you up to now? You told me you were writing a book. I'm writing a book. I just did my second TEDx um, about two
1: weeks ago um, on intermittent fasting. So hopefully that'll be out by May. Uh, but yeah, our book is um, Primal Eating. I'm co-authoring that with um, Primal Man on Twitter, and so we're super excited. We're hoping it's going to be the definitive guide to ancestral health and eating. Um, but we're really excited, hoping to have it out this month. That's our goal. Um, but you know, the appendix slowed me down just a little bit. So cool.
0: Yeah. All right. And any other TEDx talks? Because I know you were doing something with a goddess.
1: Yes. yes. So, yeah. So my first TEDx talk that was done in Toronto is out. You can see that on YouTube. Um, I'm at about 22,000 views right now, which is really awesome and exciting. Um, and we've got a program. It's really designed to be a sugar detox. It's called um, find your inner goddess and so we're doing that right now we're getting ready to launch holistic blueprint next month um, so all sorts of fun things with CHG wellness and as i said before um, if i didn't appreciate my health enough now i definitely do more and, and know that there are lots of women that i want to help support and help them live healthier lives so that they can bounce back if they have a health setback as well
0: awesome and i'll put all those links at the end of this podcast So if anybody's interested, you can go ahead and uh, talk to Cynthia. You want to follow her on Twitter? We have amazing Twitter conversations. I mean, with our other friend, Jim, who we're going to get together and do another podcast called The Three Amigos and go through all the crazy stuff that's going on with healthcare. uh in yes. all the weird stuff. Jim is a hoot. I mean, we it went to Tom right. Tom. Oh my gosh, we'll have to talk about our whole adventures when he comes into town and yeah. we kind of go a little bit nuts and we Love just it. go all over West Hollywood and I end up taking him to all these weird places. Fun. And we end up having too much sugar. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that's it's going to We end up having like I'm like, "Let's go. Let's go to Sprinkles." He's like, "I've never been to Sprinkles." <laughs> Yeah, so awesome. uh, we have a whole thing about fried olives, cupcakes, and cool, very interesting things. But we'll have to continue the conversation. So thanks for listening. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you. And we offer you a speedy recovery here from Nurses yeah. and Hypochondriacs. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of Nurses and Hypochondriacs. We would so appreciate you giving us a five-star rating And don't forget to download the nurse backpack app. It's free. It's easy to use. It's great credential management. It's secure. It's safe. It gives you expiration date reminders, puts together a resume package for you, and you get the ability to send documents and your resume to anyone. Go ahead, download the app today. The link is at the end of the podcast notes. Also follow us At Nurses and Hypochondriacs on Facebook, Nurses and HypoCon on Twitter, and on Instagram. We're under Rogue Nurse Media. Till next time.